Kinks and Beats Daily. I am your host, Tony Fry. Today, we're going to talk about the Kinks and the Beatles some more. Thanks for downloading the podcast. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. I hope you enjoy going through um, 80 tunes that we've covered so far. This is episode number 80. So we have um, like three months down, five and a half more years to go. But uh, I hope you're going and downloading the old catalog and enjoying those and um, listening to how I've changed the show kind of a lot over the first 80 episodes already. Today, on January 30th, 1969, the Beatles played their final public concert on the rooftop of the Apple Building. Um, Billy Preston joined the band on keyboards, and John's famous quip um, that was used on the Let It Be album, I'd like to say thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves, and I hope we pass the audition, actually came from this concert, which was supposedly broken up by the police although there is some there are some people that think that that was staged for the movie because it makes a good movie ending to have the beatles carted off um by the police the songs they played they opened they did two versions of get back followed by don't let me down i've got a feeling the one after 909 dig a pony god save the queen which you probably haven't heard because they played it kind of as a jam while reels were being changed and a little snippet of the end of the audio got picked up on the next reel. Um, But it hasn't been used in any official capacity for sure, not in the movie or um, on disc. Uh, Then another version of I've Got a Feeling, another version of Don't Let Me Down, and a third version of Get Back. So they really wanted to make sure... Um, there's certain songs on this were top quality. So they gave them, you know, a few passes each. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot of this material, maybe even the short little snippet of God Save the Queen um, in the new documentary that Peter Jackson is putting together, which by all accounts looks like it can come out by the end of this year. So fingers crossed. They're trying to dispel of the myth um, of Let It Be being a brutal and uh, bitter recording session that the first movie made it out to be. But there's tons of extra footage that didn't get used in the 1970 film. So let's see what they got. I am still looking for your pick. I'm sending you to Mars for one year, and you can take one Kinks or Beatles album as your sole source of musical entertainment. I want to know what you're going to bring and why you're going to bring it. So give me a call at 925-494-1739 and let me know which album you're taking with you to Mars as the only music you're going to listen to while you're there. And let me know why. Um, We've got a few responses already. Some of them not at all surprising because uh, a couple people have picked the album I would take. And then a couple that are a little bit of surprising. So uh, I want to hear what you have to say. This is going to be a bonus episode down the line that will be made available first to people who are contributing um, via herohabit.com um, to the $4 a month contribution. This will go out to you guys first, and then it'll go out to everybody you know, a few weeks after that. But uh, I'm still taking calls. I haven't recorded the episode yet. So again, uh, 925-494-1739. If you forget that number, go to herohabit.com. And uh, on the podcast page, all the contact information is there.
Today we are talking about one of the most beautiful songs in George Harrison's solo career. Any Beatles solo career. This is a masterpiece, if you ask me. Um, it's Who Can See It, released May 30th, 1973 on the Living in the Material World album, which happens to be my favorite um, George Harrison album. And it's one of several songs on that album that deals with his life post-Beatles. You know, he's got Sumi Suyu Blues, which is talking about the litigation that the Beatles were steeped in. Uh, Living in the Material World, the title track, uh, name checks the other three guys. Uh, And then this one kind of talks about his inner turmoil. The lyrics um, are beautiful. And the construction of the song is remarkable. And if there was any doubt that he surrounded himself with the best musicians in the world, listen to this track. So we've got George, obviously, guitar, vocals, uh, Nicky Hopkins playing keys, Klaus Vorman on bass, Jim Keltner on drums, and Gary Wright on keys. That is an all-star lineup of all-star lineups. And the Klaus Vorman, Jim Keltner rhythm section, I defy you to find a better rhythm section than those two guys. And listen to their work on this song. This is not a simple song. I want you to listen to it. If you've never heard it before, pause this podcast, go find it on Spotify or however you listen to music, YouTube, and listen to this song with headphones on, undistracted. Just really focused on it and try to tap your foot to it. You can't do it. It's super slow, dirge tempo slow. Uh, And it starts with a bar of 6-4. I've been held one. Two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, one, two, one, two. So he he goes from six four for one very slow measure to a bar of five eight. Um now I couldn't find uh chord sheets for this that I agreed with. This uh, is also a great example of George's use of what he called naughty chords, diminished and augmented chords all over the place on this, uh, major sevenths, the, the works. This is not a simple harmonic structure in the least or a rhythmic structure. So I'm just going to make this up on an E chord. But he's doing this one, two, three, four, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, four. But he's singing over it. And you've got Jim Keltner who's just doing this. He's he's subdividing the eighth notes, which kind of makes it easier to get into that five eight bar. Because in four four, you're going one and two and three and four and five and six and he's in six four actually. And the eighth note stays the same. So your pulse is changing, but the eighth note stays constant. One and two and three and four. One and two and one, two, three. One, two, one and two and three and four and. So with Keltner just doing the eighth notes on the ride, but listen to the way he is accenting through that 5-8 bar. And listen to what 
Klaus Vorman is doing on the bass for that bar. And, and George just effortlessly sings over it. And the band effortlessly moves through uh, bars of five, eight, two bars of, uh, 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 you know, three, four to five, four to six, four to, I, I would interpret it. I've seen it written, uh, as two bars of three, but I think it's actually a bar of six, eight. If you listen to what the band's playing, but they are all over the place rhythmically. So you can't tap your foot to it, uh, in one stead. It is not a four on the floor. You know, you're going, right. You're all over the place with your foot tapping and, uh, it would be near impossible for you to follow all the time changes as a listener upon first listen. You have to sit down and, and really focus on this song. But on top of it, you've got George delivering this beautiful vocal. The whole thing is is intended to sound like a Roy Orbison song. So you've got this soaring vocal at the top of George's range. You've got this arrangement that is lush and full without being overpowering. You've got the core of the rock band that is just solid as a, you know, a brick house. Uh over this beautiful ballad that is going at like four beats a minute. It is ungodly slow. But there's so much power and intensity uh, from every corner of this arrangement that you never really feel how slow it's moving. And then it makes you think, George had originally wanted Phil Spector to record Living in the Material World. And he does record, uh, I mean, produce one tune on it, uh, Try Some, Buy Some, which was originally recorded for Ronnie Spector. Uh, But he ended up doing it himself. George ended up producing all but that one track on his own. And this track feels like he's trying to, you can hear his influence from Phil Spector and George Martin. And and it's a little bit more restrained George Martin or Phil Spector. And I, I wish... You listen to this song, and then you go back to All Things Must Pass, which was produced by Phil Spector, which, in my opinion, has, despite being a fantastic, one of my favorite albums of all time and having some of the greatest compositions on it, there are parts and moments of it that are almost unlistenable because they are so overdone. There's too much echo. There's too many singers. There's too many whatever. Then you listen to this song. And if George would have produced all of All Things Must Pass in the way that this song is produced, I don't know how, but it would be even even a better album, I think. And so it really makes you want to go back uh, to All Things Must Pass and not strip out all the arrangements. I don't want to hear what is life without the horns, but maybe without all the echo and with three horns instead of 30. You know, and that's what who can see it does is it it perfectly mixes the Phil Spector wall of sound with the George Martin sensibilities of, you know, of of composing an arrangement. The lyrics. I've been held up. I've been run down. I can see quite clearly now through those past years when I played towing the line. I only ask that what I feel should not be denied me now. 
as it's been earned, and I have seen my life belongs to me, my love belongs to who can see it. I've lived in fear, I've been out there, I've been round and seen my share of this sad world and all the hate that it stirred. I only ask that what I know should not be denied me now, as it's been learned, and I have seen my life, my love belongs to those uh, who can see it. It's a pretty lyric. And a beautiful melody that doesn't really, you know, it's not a, a melody built on small little motifs. This is a very thought out, fully formed melody over these beautiful chord changes. And one that uh, I've had this album on vinyl since I was in high school. Um, I think, I don't know where I got it, but, uh, this is one of those songs that you would listen on vinyl with the headphones full blast. And when the horns and stuff really swell and George is at the top of his range, it's just a beautiful, beautiful arrangement. This is not rock and roll song. This is high art. And George Harrison is one of the few composers of his era that can really get away with something like this. And then follow it up with, just a straight jam rocker on the album. If you haven't listened to Living in the Material World, the album, I strongly encourage you to. There's not a bad song on it. The first side, side A, is just straight brilliance from top to bottom. Um, but definitely, definitely, definitely listen to Who Can See It this week. And uh, I want to know your thoughts on this one. So drop me an email, kinksandbeats at herohabit.com. You can share your thoughts on any song, whether I've covered it or not. I will cover them all eventually um, by emailing or calling 925-494-1739. But uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on all these songs and, and whether you're gaining a new appreciation by listening to them as, as I'm doing this podcast. All right. I will uh, talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you for downloading. Welcome to all of my new listeners in Indonesia. We are... Number five on the Indonesian iTunes charts as of right now. So thank you all for downloading and listening. Um, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Go listen to this song. Thank me later. Take care. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.